The belligerent blacksmith who opens Schumann's Opus 90, Linau Lieder, is one of the most upbeat characters in all of Schumann's Lieder, never mind the late works. Schumann had met the Hungarian poet Nicolas Linau in Vienna in the 1830s, but turned to his lyrics in 1850, shortly before he moved to Dusseldorf. Schumann believed Linau to have died before he began composing the set, but received news of the poet's actual death on the day of their first performance. Clara noted that this, together with the dark nature of the songs, put them all in a melancholic mood. Linau suffered from severe mental illness, likely caused by syphilis, and ended his days in an asylum, as Schumann would six years later. Eugene Asti sees his link as important and explicit. Linau's syphilitic, uh, decaying mind and his depressive nature, I mean, Schumann makes all kindred spirit when he came to the poems. The idea of the composer suffering from a syphilitic, decaying mind, whether true or false, has all too often led to the association of Schumann's music with failure, and the idea that it is less worthy of performance and acclaim than his earlier works. Close members of Schumann's circle, such as the violinist Joachim and even Brahms, took measures to stop late works being disseminated after the composer's death to save his reputation. With the Lenau songs, however, Schumann was adamant that they should be published immediately as part of a tribute to Lenau. He even asked that the title page be decorated with emblems of mourning. The cycle is tightly organised, but after its bright start with the blacksmith, it seems bound to an overall trajectory of doom and despair. Or is that just what we assume? A closer look at the song suggests a wider range of emotional states, touching on familiar romantic themes of nature and lost love. was Christina Schaefer singing Die Zernin from the Lenau Lieder. The cowgirl and the flowers that surround her seem in keeping with an earlier kind of romanticism. The rose of Schumann's Lenau Lieder is somewhat different. It's drooping and pale from the heat of the sun. The protagonist offers to bring it some water, but wonders whether, like his love, it may still fade.
Tenor James Gilchrist acknowledges the beauty of Meine Rosa. Meine Rosa of the Lenar set has this astonishing melodic gift of ten years before that, that Schumann seems just to be able to conjure out of nowhere with, with tumbling melodies intertwining with one another, this gorgeous sort of downward floating melody. And again, a slightly convoluted poem. Eric Sams mentions in his reading of that particular song, Meine Rosa, that there is indeed a gorgeous opening, but that after the first ten bars, Schumann just loses it and starts sort of doodling around with meaningless, less interesting accompanying figures. I totally disagree, because as soon as the poem starts to talk about the girl, we, we enter a much more recitative style, which is can, I think, work very well in performance. And I think Schumann's quite cleverly formed himself there and enabled himself... To, to, to pass away so that the return of the opening melody, which he marks to be sung quietly all the time or to be played quietly all the time, can really tell beautifully. And the way he turns the from the... Because there's an extraordinary key change at the end of the first telling of the opening section into the middle section. And the way at the end of the whole piece, where that key change should happen, he turns it back into the, into the tonic key, I think, in a very adept and rather beautiful way where it, f it feels a real sense of uh, completeness to the whole piece. So uh, I feel that that's actually a great song of Schumann. I think, I don't think there's anything in that song that is that anything less than his finest writing from 1840. Roger Vignoles offers some thoughts on the subsequent songs. Common and Shine, well, I love that because it's so, so enigmatic. You don't even know what really, what's going on. At the end of it, you think, well, what was that really all about? That's one of my favourites. And that one, you do sort of suddenly say, where did that come from? sense that is a real stream of consciousness song. I mean, 
there is a melody that it emerges, but it's really a kind of continuing development. Not exactly an improvisation, but well, actually, it, it can sound like an, especially with with the piano part. Mm. The last of the Linnell settings and the penultimate song of the collection is Der Schwerer Abend. The dark and bitter tone of the poem is reflected in Schumann's sparse music. It refuses lyricism to the extent that it sounds like a distant, exaggerated recitative. The poem reads, in Richard Stokes's translation, The dark clouds hung so anxiously and heavy, we both walked up and down sadly in the garden. The night was so sultry and silent, so gloomy and starless, just like our love, fit only for tears. And when I had to leave and bade you good night, I wished us both dead in the anguish of my heart. If the opening piano figure of this song sounds familiar, it's perhaps because it echoes the rhythm of Schumann's Ich habe in Traum geweinet, the 13th song of Dichterliebe. The young lover, crying in his sleep, is now experiencing something altogether more nightmarish. Opus 90 ends, unusually, with a requiem. The German translation of a medieval text reinforces the pessimism of the preceding songs, but also allows for a positive, more transcendental conclusion. The E-flat minor of the previous song is transformed to a relatively stable E-flat major, and the melody soars above a flowing accompaniment. The piano figures which we're familiar with from Schumann's earlier years return to offer a glimpse of redemption. This episode of the Unlocking Late Schumann podcast series was co-written by Frankie Perry and Laura Tunbridge. It was presented by Laura Tunbridge, who spoke to Eugene Astig, James Gilchrist and Roger Vignoles. The recordings by Christina Schaefer and Graham Johnson are courtesy of Hyperion.